would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark, Gospel of Mark, in the New Testament, on page 836, for the next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, November often is stewardship season in churches, and we're just for two Sundays, we'll be looking at different scripture passages this morning thinking about gospel service and next Sunday about gospel sacrifice and uh, then it will be um, the Sundays leading up to Christmas. Um, But hear God's word, Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. This is the word of God. And immediately he, that is Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, They brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, um, we thank you uh, for the truth of your word. We thank you for uh, the gospels that tell us and of the love of Christ. Every step, every step of uh, his journey here on earth, incarnation, childhood, even here at the beginning of his ministry, and especially in his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. And thank you that uh, Jesus came to serve and to show us the love of God the Father. And Father, pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would be pointing us to Christ, Son of God, Savior of sinners. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what happens uh, when you go for your medical exams? Uh, The medical professional takes your pulse, your blood pressure, uh, places their stethoscope on your chest so they can listen to your heart. Then they ask you to breathe deeply as they listen to your lungs. Uh, Often they will place their tongue depressor on your tongue, look into your throat, and uh, have you say, ah, Uh, the medical professionals purposefully examine you. They listen to you, you know, tap various parts of your body, look into your ears and your eyes as they seek 
uh, to bring healing to your body. You know, here in Mark chapter 1, we, we see Jesus bringing physical and spiritual healing uh, to a cherished member of Peter's family, and along with healing other sick people. Jesus graciously heals the sick. He powerfully delivers those oppressed by demons. You know, I invite you to keep your Bibles open there to, to Mark chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 29, but, but to set the scene here. As Mark's gospel begins, every gospel has a different introduction, and Mark's is important as it opens. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, we hear John the Baptist making a gospel announcement concerning the coming of the Lord. Then we behold Jesus' humble baptism, uh, the descending spirit. We hear the voice of God the Father Uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ as a beloved son. And in that little scriptural snapshot, we we see every person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at work. And then we hear that word immediately in verse 12. That's one of uh, Mark's favorite words. Uh, Immediately then, verse 12, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan. Uh, Next, Jesus begins his gospel proclamation, calls sinners to repentance and faith in God's good news of salvation. Then he journeys along the Sea of Galilee and he calls Simon, Simon Peter, Andrew, his brother, then James and John to follow him. And next, Jesus and his disciples enter the seaside village of Capernaum, you know, a a small town. Uh, But Jesus then enters the local synagogue. Uh, There in the synagogue, Jesus faithfully teaches God's truths, God's gospel truths. They all respond with amazement at his authority. And, And then Jesus shows his authority over Satan and a man oppressed by an evil spirit. Jesus rebukes that unclean spirit, orders the spirit to be silent and be gone. You know, and of course, that evil spirit obeys the Son of God. No, but the central verse in in the passage this morning, already read it to the children, but let me read it again. Mark chapter 1, verse 31, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Now, and here as we consider these verses of scripture, it's with this thought in mind that when Jesus graciously touches us, He also calls us to gospel service. Now, what does it mean to be called to gospel service? You know, it begins with troubles, our troubles, the troubles of uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And then we'll see Jesus touch, and then in closing, the gospel truth. Let's begin uh, there with verse 29, our troubles without the gospel. 
You know, there, there is the misery of sin. And immediately he left the synagogue, we read in verse 29, and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Came across an article this week. They've been uh, been recent archaeological diggings in in this very town of Capernaum. Uh, they've shown evidence of a home about thirty meters away from the synagogue there in Capernaum. A simple home. Uh, it, the uh, article reads this, like most early Roman period houses, it consisted of a few small rooms clustered around two open courtyards. Uh, There's even evidence that that home may have become an early uh, site for the church, which points again to the fact that it may have been the home of, of Simon Peter. Uh, But Simon Peter lived in this home uh, with his mother-in-law, and so that implies that that Peter had a wife. And uh, that's true. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, we read this. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So Peter was a married man. A godly wife. And here he is with a a sick mother-in-law living with them. And so when they enter the home, they they swiftly tell Jesus uh, that Simon Peter's mother-in-law has this serious sickness, a fever. These are sinful troubles. Uh, she, she's suffering with a fever. This same account is in Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, and here in Mark's gospel, all with different highlights. Luke's gospel tells us that this is a great fever. Mentioned to the children, what are the symptoms of a fever? Hope none of you check yourselves for this this morning. Uh, but uh, aching, sweaty, chills, flushed cheeks, dryness in throat. They didn't need a, a, a thermometer back then to, to distinguish. You know, they knew she had a fever. You know, and keep in mind, this is before modern-day antibiotics like penicillin or amoxicillin. You know, fevers were frequently fatal. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 22, we read this, Deuteronomy 28, verse 22. Uh, The Lord, this is for Israel's disobedience, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They will pursue you until you perish. You look at uh, the book of Acts. Uh, Peter, or Paul, heals uh, Publius there on the island of Malta with a serious fever. And and so Simon Peter's uh, beloved family member uh, remains bedridden as she battles this brutal fever. You know, keep in mind that sickness and suffering are but two of the signs that we live in a sin-fallen world. You know, we, we long for that day 
when there will be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. You know, even Christians uh, can suffer serious sickness, debilitating illnesses, great fevers, cancer treatments, dementia, arthritis, depression, you know, just, just to name a few. You know, we live with the misery of sin, you know, sinful troubles here. And in stark contrast with that, we see the Savior's humble heart. You know, Jesus leaves the awestruck crowd in the synagogue. You know, he he exits the synagogue after this first miracle of delivering, a first miracle in Mark's gospel, of delivering this demon-oppressed man from the dread bondage of the devil you know, he, he departs from this popular public ministry, you know, to, to go to one home, to one woman, you know, to, to bring healing and hope and restoration. He went to the house of a simple fisherman named Peter. Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God, left the church crowds, the once-suffering demoniac, uh, to heal and restore one beloved woman battling a fever. You know, consider Jesus' humility here. You know, it's not here in Scripture, but by implication. You know, he's entering the residence of a smelly fisherman. You know, when you fish for a living you can never get rid of that smell. And Jesus humbly enters into this home. You know, see Jesus' heart for those troubled by sin. You know, consider the marvels of modern-day medicine. You know, again, I'm... uh, Largely ignorant about this, but antibiotics, CAT scans, MRIs, x-rays, robotic surgery. And yet, the, the waiting rooms are in doctor's offices are still full of sick people. You know, if you, you go to the hospital uh, these days and weeks, was there the other day, you know, that parking lot is packed. They're awaiting medical care. They're recovering from surgeries, sicknesses, serious treatments. You know, if you were to read through Mark's gospel, you know, there, there's a host of hurting ones. You know, a leper, a paralytic, a man with a withered ham, hand, a, a bleeding woman. He even encounters... Uh, the dead daughter of Jairus. You know, the the misery of sin. You know, Romans chapter 3, verse 13, reading a couple verses as we think of this misery of sin. Romans 3, verse 13, their throat, speaking of the unrighteous, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. 
Their feet are swift to shed blood. Now verse 16, in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, where's our hope? As we live in a world filled with sinful troubles. You know, scripture points us to our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Immediately, you know, Jesus comes to this home. Comes to heal this woman. Jesus knew of her desperate need for deliverance from sin. You know, to borrow a phrase, you know, he he came, he saw, he conquered sin and death in the grave. Never forget your troubles without the gospel. That's where we begin, where this account begins. But now, verse 31, we see Jesus' touch causes gospel transformation. You know, it's a gracious touch of Jesus. Uh, New American Standard, uh, let me read their translation of verse 31. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her. Jesus came to her. You know, Peter's mother-in-law could not and did not come to Jesus. It's a picture of sin. He graciously sought her. Isn't that the way of the Savior? Seeking those who are hurting, struggling, sick. And our sinless Savior seized the hand of, of this sick woman. You know, nowadays we we wear masks and, you know, we're, we always have that tube of hand sanitizer. Who oh, don't want to get sick. Not, not Jesus. You know, he seized, he grabbed her hand. Raised her up. And the fever left her. You know, go through Mark's gospel, you know, and see how often Jesus touched people. You know, he he could have done it just with a word of his mouth. Didn't even have to be present to bring healing. And yet, he deliberately, divinely, I believe dramatically, touched Struggling sinners. You'll see it time and time again in Mark's gospel. I'll give you a couple examples. Mark 7, you know, he, he heals the deaf one, you know, putting his fingers in, in ears. He healed the blind. He healed the boy with an unclean spirit, touching him. And note what happened when Jesus touched this sick, struggling woman. You know, the the fever left her. You know, it's an immediate cure, a, a complete healing. You know, if you've ever had a fever, you know, it usually takes you a day or two to recover. You feel pretty puny. You know, well... Guess I'll just lay low, stay home in bed. But when Jesus healed this woman, it was 
instantaneous, complete. Now here we see the power of Jesus. Mark or Luke's account of it adds a another layer to it. Luke chapter four, verse thirty-nine, we read, and he, that is Jesus, stood over her. You know, that's what a good physician does. He comes to the bedside, stands over her, and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. You know, why would Jesus rebuke the fever? You know, it's his sovereignty over sin. Just like he rebuked the wind and the waves. You know, here, here it's a display of his gracious gospel power. John Calvin puts it this way. Under the law, you know, the Old Testament law, this, the touch, was a sign of reconciliation. And therefore, it was not improperly or unseasonably that Christ laid hands on those whom he freed from the curse of God. He obtained grace and deliverance for their diseases. So the gracious touch, but, but note next the gospel transformation. And she began to serve them. You know, again, immediately. She ministered to them. You know, the, the word there used for serve them, same word from which we get deacon, diaconeo. You know, it's used there in, in Acts chapter 6. Uh, the the early believers were divided, those who preached the word and prayer, the elders, and then the deacons who began to, to wait, care for the widows and others. You know, but, but it's an important word. It's used in Mark chapter 1, verse 13. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild angels, wild animals, and the angels were ministering or serving him. You know, it's a ministry of Jesus Christ himself. You know, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Jesus' gracious touch of Peter's mother-in-law brought a Dramatic, a decisive gospel transformation. She began to serve in the name of Christ. Next Lord's Day, we're going to consider, you know, ways that we can give, you know, of our means, our finances, that which the Lord has blessed us with to the Lord. But I believe it's vital for us to be giving of ourselves to the Lord. You know, three ways that we can, all of us, be serving the Lord. Let me share them with you. First, gospel hospitality. Inviting others to your homes in the name of Christ. And you may be thinking, man, I don't have much of a home, nothing fancy, it's small. I think Peter's home, home of a fisherman would not have made it into Southern living. 
You know, invite others to your home for a cup of coffee, a piece of pie, you know, for a time of prayer, for a Bible study. Think of Mary and Martha serving Jesus in their home. Or you, you can bring a meal to someone else's house. Gospel hospitality. You know, secondly, gospel compassion for the needy. You know, for widows, for orphans, visiting the imprisoned, you know, giving a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, showing compassion to the least of these. Hear these uh, verses, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 and following, 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be long glory and dominion forever and ever. No, God is glorified as we serve him. The gospel is proclaimed in in word and deed. So gospel hospitality, gospel compassion, gospel ministry. You know, serving on on the worship team, you know, leading a Bible study, teaching a Sunday school class, helping out in the nursery once a month, you know, teaching in children's church, serving at vacation Bible school, helping out at... Hope for Opelousas or the refinery, a host of ways you can be ministering in the name of Christ. In fact, in today's world, I believe that's one of the the most precious commodities is one of time. You know, we all say, we get asked to do something, no, I'm too busy, can't do that. At a good Christian brother who who would often tell me, you always find time to do the things you want to do. You know, if you want to serve the Lord, you'll find the time. I will find the time. J.C. Ryle provides us with this gospel insight in his commentary on Mark. The fevered woman was not only made well in a moment, but in the same moment made strong and able to work. Jesus knows nothing of half-cured cases and half-finished work. And then this last part. The pardoned soul will always be enabled to serve Christ. The pardoned soul will always be enabled to serve Christ. You know, one of the simple and sweet joys of pastoring in a church like ours and been blessed in other churches is witnessing Christians who are serving the Lord. You know, young and old, new and veteran Christians gladly giving of their time, their energy, their talents, you know, to to touch hurting sinners with the gospel of Christ. Hospitality, compassion to the needy. Visiting the sick. Uh, The ministry of the word and prayer. You know, Christ calls every Christian 
to touch others with the gospel. You know, there, there's a dog-eared saying, heard it often growing up, but I believe it's still true. We are saved to serve. We're saved to serve. It's not only a duty, but it should also be a delight for us to serve as Christians. So troubles, and then we see Jesus touch, and finally we see the gospel truth calls us to gospel action. Verses 32 through 34, and I don't do this too often, but uh, if you dare, close your eyes for, for a moment, just a moment. I don't want to hear any uh, calm snoring. You know, but picture this scene in Mark Chapter 1, verse 32. You know, that evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. You know, here's the setting. This is the first Sabbath day for Jesus' public ministry. You know, he's already been in the synagogue and now in the home of of Simon Peter, healing his mother-in-law. It's evening, not only a thing of beauty, but why is that important? Because at at sunset, that was the end of the Sabbath day. Uh, You you could resume your normal work activities, and and that's going to become important because what happens at sunset? They brought to him all who were sick. They were able to work. They could carry loads. Uh, now, the Sabbath day was past. And so they're bringing to Jesus, and look at what Mark's gospel tells us, all who were sick are oppressed by demons. Capernaum was not a big town, village, city, somewhere they estimate between 1,000, 2,000 people. You know, but they're bringing all of those sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. <coughs> you know why? You know, the, the news of Jesus' great authority over unclean spirits, his gracious and healing touch of one with a serious fever had spread. And so they're, they're bringing all the hurting and hopeless ones. You know, they're, they're flocking to Jesus. You know, a couple things to note here. You know, Scripture makes a very clear distinction between sickness and demon oppression. You know, because you're sick, it's not because there's a devil in you that needs to be cast out. You know, they're they're two separate issues. Yes, we're still sick. But I believe that by Jesus' death for our sins on the cross, his resurrection from the grave... You know, Satan was defeated. You know, that that death hold was broken on us. You know, but they're bringing all those to to Jesus. And again, we see gospel service taking place here. They brought to him. You know, Jesus had come to the house of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Now they're, they're bringing all the sick, those who are oppressed by demons. They're bringing them to Jesus. 
Gospel labors of love after the Sabbath. You know, keep in mind, if you look at chapter 2, you know, we're all familiar with that account of the paralytic that was carried to Jesus. Lowered him down through the roof. He couldn't have made it into Jesus' presence unless others had brought him. And so the question here for us, the application is, are we bringing the gospel to struggling and suffering sinners? You know, and as well, do we invite them to come to church? You know, come where the gospel is going to be proclaimed, whether it's a Bible study. This is what you really need. You know, you need Jesus. You need the gospel. You need the hope of salvation. The forgiveness of sins. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. You know, in in my wild imagination, I thought, boy, that'd be a, a nice problem for a church to have. You know, people lined up around your door. You know, even with the sick and the oppressed. You know, those who need the gospel. Who need Jesus. And Jesus has a gospel strategy. Coming to a, to a close here, verse 34, and he healed many who were sick with diverse diseases, cast out many demons, evil spirits. One Bible scholar said Christ's power to heal was never lacking. His love and sympathy never failed. You know, and as you go through Mark's gospel, the beginning is saturated with powerful acts of healing, mighty miracles. But then as you move forward in Mark's gospel, the, the emphasis is not on the miracles of Jesus. It's on the message of the gospel. You know, that, that simple gospel message. I, I know I've shared this before. You know, what, what's the gospel? You know. Three truths. One, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm, I'm a sick sinner. Sick with sin. Secondly, I, I, I need a savior. I need the touch of his grace. I can't heal myself. And then finally, Christ is that savior, the one who brings healing and hope and restoration through the gospel. And the final note there, you know, and he would not permit the deep demons to speak because they knew him. They they had a knowledge of Christ, but they didn't know the redeeming love of Christ in their hearts. Jesus rebuked, silenced them. You know, why is that? Because only the redeemed can truly proclaim the gospel. And that's our call for all of us as Christians you know, one quick story about loving serve, Christian service came to mind. Uh, growing up, our family of seven, mom, dad, my three older brothers, sister, we were often late for Sunday school. Yes, I, I acknowledge that in public. A lot of reasons for that, but one of the reasons I, I thought about it was um, my father took us in our family station wagon to a, a struggling part of town. We, we picked up uh, a few children, depending on the Sunday, two or three children whose uh, parents didn't have a car. They didn't want to go to church. And, um, you know, back in those days, we had a station wagon. You didn't worry about seatbelts. 
You know, you just cram, you know, what's a few more in here? We can fit them in. And uh, the Lord watched over us. And, and, you know, my dad made sure that we picked them up, brought them to church, carried them home. You know, one simple way my father served the Lord was by taking the extra time and investing the extra gas money to bring children to church. You know, don't think that gospel service has to be something dramatic for all the world to see, for you to get awards, commendations, even the compliments of other Christians. Quite often Christian service is done um, off to the side. And only the Lord knows about it. And that's all that's important. So may you and I be serving the Lord our God in the name of Christ. Let us be speaking of Christ in our homes, in the hospitals, in locker rooms, coffee shops, lunch rooms. For when Jesus graciously touches us, he calls us all to gospel service. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you, you touched us, not only when we were sick, but we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Lord, you brought about gospel healing. You raised us up from the dead and gave to us new life, life eternal, by grace through faith in Christ. And Lord, pray that we would be serving you showing the love of Christ to those who are hurting, struggling, sick, sorrowing, those in need of a Savior. May we do it by your grace and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.